Someone very smart once told me, the last 100 days are as important as the first 100 days. We mm -hmm. all talk about the first 100 days. You're joining a company and what you... Yeah. The last 100 days, how to manage transition, exit, when to do it, do it gracefully, professionally, is as important. Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution Show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Welcome to SaaStock 2023. We're doing a, uh, well, a live edition of the, the SaaS Revolution Show podcast. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, CEO, founder of SaaStock, joined today by Amit Orad, uh, chairman and uh, former CEO of, uh, of SciSense. And uh, you're coming to your first SaaStock in Dublin. Uh, what are your thoughts so far? I love the ducks. You love the ducks? <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Yeah, we've just been, for, the, for those that are listening to the audio, uh, we've just been photobombed by a, a six-foot duck. I think it's an eight-foot duck. Eight-foot duck. But, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Well, ducks are the most popular animal in in, in SaaS, but uh, you you were on on I thought, I thought it's unicorns. Oh, that's, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not still, anymore. Not yeah. anymore. They're, well, that's a mythical animal. Yeah. Um, but um, you were just on stage. Actually, our, our first uh, speaker on the scale stage, opening the show with Ryan Floyd uh, and uh, Matt Kretzman, who's the the MC. Uh, he sort of mentioned that you you know kind of like getting to 100 million obviously is, is no easy feat, but if you do it twice, you clearly know like what you're doing. You've got a strategy. You've done that twice, uh, north of 100 million. Um, can you? I'm starting like with a, a sort of like big question. We'll break it down, but like, can you distill maybe some of the points that's kind of like helped you be able to do that? You, you know, twice. Wow. So we did not prepare for this, no, no, by no, the no, way. Yeah. So this is totally uh, ad hoc. Maybe the biggest insight is there is no single playbook. Yeah. Which means that to succeed, you have to challenge the status quo yeah. and reinvent many things often yeah. in product, go-to-market, people, leadership, yeah. positioning. And that act of reinvention yeah. is, is beautiful, it's challenging, it's difficult, but it's rewarding. Yeah. And I think... People say as you get large, you get stagnation. Yeah. You know, the very large companies. Yeah. Until Satya came to Microsoft and reinvented the whole thing, yeah. right? The cloud, the culture, everything, it was stuck. Yeah. Even at the smaller size of 20 mil, 50 mil, 100 mil, you have to reinvent yeah. yourself all the time. That's yeah. maybe the one nugget yeah. I'll give you. And in, in terms of reinventing yourself, but also like the, the, the company, so let's talk obviously a big theme. Uh, at SASOT this week, but this year is generative AI, right? Yep. Uh, and so with SciSense, um, you, you know, uh, it's quite a mature company and a, a mature product, which I'm sure is developing all the time. Are you having to reinvent the SciSense product to incorporate generative AI? So what, yep. Yeah. So, so first, what SciSense is all about is embedded insights, analytics, yep. inside other people's products, yep. so they can service their own clients. Yep. So three years ago, we learned that natural language, this is before yeah. Gen AI, yeah. natural language is becoming mature technology. Yeah. And we started to build what's called NLP and yeah. NLG and yeah. NLQ, yeah. which are all case words for natural language processing, yeah. natural language queries, yeah. and natural language generation. Yeah. So we taught the system to accept questions in English, show me my revenue in Europe last year, yeah. translate it to the data, the semantic layer, and give answers. That was before Gen AI. And it worked well. And people love it. Humans 
for some reason, like to speak in English, yeah. not in SQL, yeah, yeah. right? Not in SQL. GenAI came about and we started to think, what the heck is this new thing? It's definitely disruptive. Look, yeah. I've, been, I've been on the internet from 92. Yeah. So I'm dating myself. Yeah. And I recall logging into the internet, it was called Usenet back in the day, yeah. and saying, wow, that's how it felt when I saw ChatGPT. Yeah, yeah. But what will it do to our business was a question we did not have a clear answer. And we realized ChatGPT is not only an engine to ask questions, yeah. it's actually a repository yeah. of all of humanity's data. Yeah accessible by asking a question. Yeah, yeah. What war happened in Ireland 300 years ago? Yeah, Poof, yeah. gives you the answer. So created an interface, you can query ChatGPT for data, yeah. like you query a database like Snowflake, yeah, yeah. and get the answers in a table like in Snowflake. That was our insight or understanding how you can combine ChatGPT with data analytics technologies outside natural language, which is obvious. And, and, and do you, I mean, like, so you, you've got, from the one hand, the mature companies that are having to incorporate generative AI, um, and I do think that's becoming table stakes, but then every SaaS company now that is being born from this era will have to be uh, gen AI, sort of, uh, I don't know, like if born, you will gen, not, born if gen AI. You, if you will not be AI native, you yeah. will be dead, yeah. period. It's yeah. like, I recall the internet we had, do you remember, maybe you don't, dot-com companies and the other companies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah, know yeah. any company not.com these days? <laughs> no. I mean, that's yeah. it, they yeah, died, yeah. because yeah, yeah, yeah. if you didn't leverage the internet, they yeah. died. Yeah. Same with mobile, same yeah. with AI. Yeah. The beauty of AI is there's two places you can leverage it, unlike yeah. the internet. You can leverage it in your product, yeah. and you can leverage it in your business. Yeah. I'm telling you that right now, AI is doing a better job than what entry-level positions in my business yeah. did up until recently. Yeah. In SDR work, in yeah. content creation work, in basic data analysis, yeah. in basic data engineering, in basic quality assurance. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Who would not, you know, if you play basketball, would you not take steroids if they're illegal? Yeah. We just got steroids for startups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're illegal. And yeah. we're free. Yeah. It's free. Yeah. So it's amazing. If you don't leverage it the heck out of it, you will be out of business. Well, speaking of, obviously, you, you've helped two companies scale up um, 17x size sense uh, revenue. Uh, and to know the scale-up space sort of like super well. Obviously, we're at Sastock, like it, it, it's quite a lot of like early-stage companies, yep. the startups. Um, and then yesterday we were at the the Sastock founder membership sort of day where you, you came in as sort of as a mentor. Obviously, there's sort of Chatham House rules yesterday, but like um, in, in uh, your advice of like the companies that are uh, scaling to 10 million and maybe some of the problems that they're facing, like what what were some of the things that you were seeing, sort of themes, and your kind of advice to kind of sure. like help people. So first, before I scaled two companies, I was a founder. Yeah. And I went through the entire shitty founder process, which yeah. means we ran out of money. Yeah. Literally, we couldn't pay anyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, our product failed twice. Yeah. Total failure, we had to pivot twice. Yeah. I, I went through every possible shit show you can imagine. Yeah. 9-11 um, happened back then and yeah. so on. So I have been in those shoes yeah. from zero revenue and even negative revenue yeah, at yeah, some yeah. point. The... Some of the biggest learnings I had back then, and they're still relevant today when I advise companies. Number one, it's about reinventing yourself again and again and again yeah. until you hit yeah. gold. Yeah. And sometimes, even after you hit gold, you have to do it again. Yeah. One of our first mistakes, first company, we hired an external CEO to save the day. This was, by the way, we're so stupid. We're selling to banks, so we thought, who will be the ideal CEO 
we hired a CEO that ran a bank to run a startup selling to banks, which yeah. is obviously dumb. Yeah. And he failed. Yeah. And then we had to fire the CEO. Um, and I learned you cannot hire your way out of finding your product market fit. Yeah. You cannot hire a salesperson or another person to do it. It's your job. You know the market and the product intimately. Yeah. And it's your job. Yeah. When you do it, then you can think of scale and hired help. Yeah. But that's a mistake many people do. Let's hire VP sales. They will close the first deals. Yeah, yeah. No, they won't. No one can do it besides you. What, uh, so talking about product market fit, and, and this is something, again, I, I heard in some of the conversations that I had with some of the SaaS founder members yesterday that we're searching for product market fit, still haven't yep. quite hit it. Like, for you, what is product market fit? And like, what, what are your, some of your advice to like, how to get there? So product market fit, for anyone who is not in the business, is trying to throw all sorts of product offerings to the market until something sticks, and sticks repeatedly. Because one-off doesn't is not product market fit. Yeah. It's a product market fluke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the most basic way product market fit is solving someone's real problem that is of high pain and high priority in an elegant way that they'll want to buy it from you, mm -hmm. and they're willing to pay money for it and good money. End of the day, you run a business, and money is the best validation. Having advisors telling you, you, you you're great and having customers for free using your product means very, very little. They have to pay real money. And the, the hard thing about it is that even when you find it, how do you know it's not a one-off or a two or three? How do you know it's really a market? How do you know the market is big enough? How do you know the market is lucrative enough? They'll pay you enough money for your product. Uh, that's what it's all about. And it's an art and science. It's gut feeling and numbers. It's hard work. It's hearing no all the time. So I told my son when he became a teenager, he tried to give him dad's advice about dating, which I'm not good at giving advice. But I told him, you know, in my business, I get no 900 times a day. Yeah. And that's part of my job. <clears throat> and that's part of dating. If you don't ask enough times and not get no enough times, you'll never get a yes. So... By the way, that's my layman dad advice. But it's the same. You have to go and ask and ask and ask until you get enough yeah. yes. And uh, again, just uh, picking up on the things that I've been hearing from the founders that are in Dublin, you know, at SASDOC, no surprise here. Like uh, 2023 has been, I think, you know, a difficult year. The markets, people are not hitting targets, you know, feeling a little bit deflated from that. In some cases, you know, hearing that they can't sell their product at all. Marketers are not buying in the, the mid-range, etc. Um, so two questions here, kind of like one, like from a leadership perspective, like how do you galvanize the team when you're missing targets, when people are not buying, uh, right? Uh, and, and then the, the second, like how do you, when people are not buying, how do you get them to buy? And how do, how do you get back to like hitting targets? Uh, I will say something that may make me very unpopular here. Yeah. And I'm not saying it because I'm after kind of a few sure. exits. It's the best thing that ever happened to a startup this decade. And yeah. I'll explain why. Yeah. If your product does not have a right to exist, yeah. you better find it now and not in five years and waste five years of your life building a product no one needs. Time is precious. Yep. Spend it wisely. Yep. What's happening now is going to force you to be the best at what you do. And if you survive it, be one of the best out there. Yep. And if you don't survive it, assuming it's because of 
the fact you don't have a good product market fit, not yeah. because you have a great product and something else happened. Yeah. It's a favor because you just saved years of playing with monopoly money, yeah. only to find out in a few years, because at some point it will happen, that no one really wants to pay for your product. Yeah. So in a very painful way, you will learn the most in these very hard conditions. Someone who is paying right now money to buy someone's product, and your job is to be that person, and it will make you work harder, position better, be excellent at what you do, but when you make it to the other side, you're a clear winner in a very tough market. So I know it's hard to say, but I would prefer to know, if I'm going to fail as an entrepreneur, I want to know yeah. it now and not in three years, because yeah. money is free. So I know I'm sort of jumping around a little bit here, but as we mentioned now, you were the CEO of SciSense, now you're exec chair, and you talked about reinvention earlier. Like, is this a reinvention of yourself or what the company sort of like needed? Can you explain a little bit of the process of why after eight years and you know, 150 million ARR, you decide to kind of move into the exec chair role? And then what is next for you? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And the answer is twofold. There's my personal desires and there's the company needs. So as a company, we just announced a new product launch, yeah. which is a, a developer-led product. Yeah. A new product launch requires the energy and the stamina of a few good years, three, four, five, yeah. especially in a tough market. Yeah, yeah. And I thought to myself, after eight and a half years in the seat, that the amount of energy required and the focus it requires, the company will benefit from someone new stepping in for the next five years doing it, than me doing it for another year or two or three. And personally, I felt after eight, nine years, it's about time to make a change. Yeah. The, I'm blessed to have had in the company for the last few years, someone who is amazing. He was the chief product and technology officer. He joined two years ago as my advisor, then my CPTO. And I asked him to take, and the board asked him to take the leadership yeah. position. He will run the next few years leading that product. His background is the right fit for this product. Yeah. Now I'm his advisor yeah. instead of him being my advisor. And I think it's a win-win. I get to do something new after a decade. Yeah. The company gets new energy, new blood, new yeah. um, focus. And it's a natural time when the new product is yeah. coming out. Yeah. And, do you, and do you think, obviously that, that's the, the scenario for SciSense and, and for yourself. But in general, that companies can benefit from a change in leadership, you know, after eight, nine years. Because, I mean, you, you do see often that founders will decide to move into, you, you know, the chair sort of role like at that point. Um, maybe they're feeling a bit tired, a bit burnt out, like a little bit stale, and that there could be this, you know, injection. So, like, is, is it, would, would you say, uh, I, I don't know, just... Uh, recommended that companies at you know, maybe the 10-year mark or, or before, they look and start to think about this kind of changing leadership to take you to the next uh, the stage? I, as you heard already, I'm a big yeah. believer in reinvention yeah. Yeah. and changing status quo all the time. Very few people are Zuckerberg yeah. or Bezos or Gates yeah. um, and those people can stay for life and reinvent themselves all the time. Yeah. Mere mortals, the rest of the 99.9%, there is some amount of time after which there's value in a new person coming yeah. in. The industry average is five, six, seven years. 
Some founders need to do it earlier because they reach a glass ceiling. This was not my case. This was more of energy and, uh, and so on. But I do believe you need to ask yourself all the time, looking outside in, is it time? And the best outcome is the founder or the CEO proactively managing a transition, then waiting till it's too late, and then waking up one morning with this phone call at, on Sunday morning, yeah. I need to talk to you, as a board member calling you, we need to talk, let's have this talk. Why go there? Someone very smart once told me, the last 100 days are as important as the first 100 days. Mm -hmm. We all talk about the first 100 days. You're joining a company, what do you, yeah. the last 100 days, how to manage transition, exit, when to do it, do it gracefully, professionally, is as important. And, and, and just on the transition plan then, how long did you spend on that? And uh, maybe for those that are listening that are perhaps thinking about like, hey, I've been the founder for eight years or 10 years. You, you know, I want to do what Amir has just done. Uh, any recommendations, tips around like time spent uh, or even just your, your personal experience? So my best recommendation is not to follow any default recommendation. Yeah. It's all bullshit. Yeah. Every case is different. Yeah. Every case is different. Having said that, I'll share what I did yeah, yeah. in this specific occasion. <clears throat> I was blessed by having someone I trusted that knows the culture, so I, it was not a cultural risk like an external hire, that was in the business for a while. I have a big presence after nine years in the business. Sure. So what I did is the minute we made it public, that day I announced no one is allowed to call me. That day, okay. <laughs> zero day heads up. The day we announced, you call the new guy, he calls me if he wants to. Yeah. Only he's allowed to call me. And I refuse to take calls and emails. So two things happened. First, overnight I was really upset because no one called me. <laughs> I felt bad, no one wants me, no yeah, one cares. Yeah, yeah. Because I told them not to call me. Yeah. And second, it was my only way to detach myself and the company from being addicted to talk to me. Yeah. So in our case, it was really important. Behind the scenes, I was available, you know, once a day, twice a day, once a week, up to the new guy. Um, you have to accept that there's no one way of doing things. Yeah. His personality is different than my personality, which is different than the previous guy's personality. Yeah. And the way of his, his doing things is different than mine, and that's okay. And your job is not to correct him, it's to support him. Once I decided to give him the keys, he's the boss. I kept my equity in the company. I believe in him to make it worth more over time. Yep. And my job is to make him successful, yep. not to make him like me. Yeah. And and then I guess kind of final question, what is next? Do you want to get to 150 million for the third time with the third company? Or <laughs> or do you want to maybe just make life a little bit easier for yourself? Or is, are, you, are, you, are you going to do SaaS again? Obviously, we're in a SaaS conference, but uh, I don't know if that's wow, any Wow, okay. So, a few questions you asked. Yeah. First, so, I was a founder once and yeah. a CEO twice and yeah. did 200 and 150. Yeah. I <laughs> want to do it again and larger scale. Okay, well. I'll probably join a company at a later stage and yeah. grow it to who knows what. A, a billion. billion. Yeah, yeah, who knows. Um, I believe SaaS is the future. Yeah. The SaaS is not just a business model. It's a contract that says, me, the vendor, will reinvent myself and give you more value every day. You, the buyer, will recommit every year. Imagine marriage and every year you have to renew the vows. It's a, it will be yeah. way better yeah. than the default that by default you're married unless you're not. 
So I think SaaS is a better business arrangement for all sides. Yeah. And cloud and AI makes it obviously a yeah. very valuable offering. So yes, I believe in that space. I believe it's the only way to do modern software. And I plan to be in it, not to be an investor, but to run another company. Which one? Time will tell, I'm not rushing. You're not having any conversations at the moment. But you're, I'm, I'm, I'm getting never. different calls. Okay. I'm taking my time because yeah. If I do things for a decade every time, it better yeah. be the right choice sure. yeah, for yeah, me yeah. and for them. Yeah. So I'm taking my time to make sure it's the right cool. team I'm, I want to be part of. I'm sure, I'm sure, you'll, I'm sure you'll do it. Well, Amit Orad, uh, uh, Chairman of SciSense, uh, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast thank today. Thank you. This is an awesome conference, up. by the way. Everyone Thanks. should come and see what's going on here. Cheers. Thanks very much, Amit. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SaaSdoc conferences around the world. Want exclusive SaaS content and actionable insights to grow your SaaS? Join our community of over 36,000 SaaS founders at sasdoc.com.